Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an experience with Michael Aaron Kosteris episode. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the experience with Michael Aaron Kosteris. Um, Man, I tell you what, I tell you what, time has been flying and I've been so super busy. I know the last time I spoke with you guys on the experience, things probably sound like they were in a bit of a gitchy way, but... Um, you know, as long as you persevere, as long as you hold on, as long as you remember that you're never given more than you can handle, you can always keep that chin up and you can always turn that frown upside down. And I don't mean to sound hokey and stupid and silly or anything like that, but, um, I mean, because essentially nothing's changed except for maybe my demeanor, attitude, candor. Um, but <laughs> you know, um, uh, as far as everything that brought me to that point in my last uh, experience broadcast or podcast, rather, um, it's still the same. But um, with any luck, I'll be back up on my feet with what I need to get my podcasts and programming out to you guys and to do it in a better way. Um, I feel like things are coming up roses, but they're still uh, they're still seedlings. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I feel like I planted in the right garden. I I think I found the right dirt, you know, I think, I think the soil has just enough nutrients and I think the weather's just temperate enough. And I think these seeds might begin to sprout. Um, So maybe that's where the level of optimism I'm feeling is coming from right now. But anyways, I just, um, there's several things. Um, I I was like, God, it's already been like a week almost since I've done a a podcast. It's been two weeks since I've done a poetry show. So I promise you guys, I will do a poetry show very soon. And in fact, tonight, tonight I was going to do a poetry show because tonight is April 1st or today rather, but it is already the nighttime. April 1st, and there's something that I traditionally do and or observe, you know, um, on April 1st, um, and it's it's not anything in particularly super important. It's just something that I, I will do for myself whenever um, I'm doing podcasts or blogs or stuff like that, and I've done it a few times over the years, um, but um, on, on April 1st. Uh, I generally like to uh, commemorate um, or or do a memoriam or like an homage to one of my favorite artists growing up. And, you know, time has a funny way of giving you a perspective on things. You know, time has a very funny way of giving you perspective on things. And, you know, the only thing that I can do when I look back at the path of my life and piece the puzzles together, the puzzle pieces together, and and you might be saying, what do you mean piece the puzzle pieces together? Like, you don't even know what you have done your whole life. You don't even know yourself. You know, why do you have to push? Why haven't you been building those pieces in front of you as a pathway to move forward, right? Those are all good questions. Those are all very good questions. But the reason why I say things like that is not because I was lost in the path, but it's because the place where I am in the present gives me a perspective on everything that I have experienced, everything I've done, everything I've gone through, all of that good stuff, right? And then when I look at the past, 
And if I take a step back and look at it from a big picture, it's very much like putting a puzzle piece together because I think as you grow, you learn that the periods of time that you live with are defined by moments, you know, and they're defined by uh, things that you might um, remember or hold on to. They're defined by emotions and stuff. Uh, and that could be emotions from an an, an external source, like in your environment, whether it's a, another person or a song or or a movie or what have you, or a piece of art or a piece of writing. Um, so when I take a step back and look at all those moments or, or puzzle pieces, uh, I'm like, wow, like what? And, and so the reason why I say that to you today is because um, on April 1st, as I was saying, I will usually commemorate and or mem uh, give an homage um, um, to one of my oldest, my favorite artists when I was growing up. And, and that was an artist by the name of Roger Painter of Los Angeles, California. Not originally of Los Angeles proper, but that's where he ended up. And people are like, who the hell was Roger Painter? I've never heard of this guy. Um, Roger Painter went by another name. His, um, his stage name or his pseudonym was actually Roz Williams. And, um, <laughs> so now some of you guys probably know who I'm talking about when I say Roz Williams. Um, now this is where we start talking about the puzzle pieces and the bigger picture and stuff like that in my life, because, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was an artist, uh, he was a musician, he was a poet, he was a painter, uh, he was a visual artist, he was a performance artist, um, he was a, uh, writer, um, he, he did films before he passed away in 1996, or, I'm sorry, it was 98 or 97. Oh my goodness. I, I believe it was 1997 where Roger Painter took his life in his Hollywood, West Hollywood, California home. And um, so this man never really truly lived up to his potential. I believe even though he had an extremely influential life. And I don't mean that he lived a life of influence. I mean that this guy was a trendsetter. Um, this guy influenced others, unbeknownst to him whether or not he wanted to. Um, and I don't believe that he did. I mean, of course, by the time I found out who this man was, he'd already been dead, you know, probably about five, four or five years, maybe. Uh, so I never got to see him live. I never got to see him perform. I um, got to meet his counterparts. I haven't, I haven't gotten to meet all of them. Um, the story of Roger Painter, Roz Williams, is a very colorful, colorful story. And I think for people to understand a little bit more about me and my perspective, um, they they would learn a lot by knowing about this man. And, and that's the kind of cringe thing for me, because where I'm going in my life right now, the things that I'm talking about, you listen to the C report. If you listen to the experience on the anchor networks, obviously that go out to all of the other podcasts out there. So if you're listening to the experience and you're not hearing the C report, then you are not listening to an anchor FM broadcast, uh, 
point. So just so, I mean, if you're like, you're like, what the hell is the C report? Well, if you don't know what the C report is, the C report is a daily news uh, and views podcast that I do. It's about an hour show, you know, and I just basically go through headlines. And so if you hear what I talk about on there, you're going to be like, Michael, um, you're a blood, uh, red-blooded, patriotic American who seems to have a good on head, head on his shoulders and seems to believe in some concept of God or spirituality or, or some higher source. So how is it that a man by the name of Ross Williams, who was a cross-dressing, gothic, seemingly satanic, artistic individual who fronted a group by the name of Christian Death. How does that fit into this? How does that fit into who you are, Michael? (laughs) How does that fit into who you say you are? Because let me tell you what, Christian Death and Roz Williams were my primary influences growing up. And I say influences, um, I would... I would rather be influenced than inspired by something like the devil, wouldn't you say? Because <laughs> if you're inspired by the devil, you're probably taking it a little bit more internally than you should. But also keep in mind, this was me going through my rebellious phase. I, I mean, I guess if you could call it rebellious, I don't consider it rebellious because I didn't say, well, no, I take it back. By the time I got to Roger Painter and Ross Williams in the 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 stream of my the path of my development by the time i got into roger painter and ross williams i was not about shock i was not about rebelling no i'm sorry that was marilyn manson actually marilyn manson yes i was totally going through rebellious phase with marilyn manson it was all about not being a jehovah's witness it was all about not uh not it was all about challenging my parents beliefs in their god um, and it wasn't so much so that the idea of Christian death, um, made me want to use their music to challenge my parents because by then, by then I didn't care. Marilyn Manson, on the other hand, that is the one that I used to challenge my parents with his music. I would put it on just to piss them off. You know what I mean? And, um, with Christian death, it was because of the music. It was because of his words. It was because this man is a real artist. This man did not make it into Hollywood. This man died a pauper. He died penniless. He died poor. And he was still making music until he died. He had an album that came out after his death with his ex-wife. And this was a gay man. Um, but when he found God and he found uh, Eva, um, from what I understand, like he he reconciled with his spirituality the way he needed to, and we we can't judge that even though he committed suicide and we don't know what was really going on. This was a man who was haunted. Um, and I'm sure he was haunted from all of the things that he dealt with in his youth because he started Christian Death at the age of like 16 or 17, and he was big in California. And he was making music and albums and art all the way until he was 33, 4, 5, and then he committed suicide. And um, so we don't know his potential because he was unlocking so much when he was towards his end, but he was probably being haunted by very dark things. He was probably being haunted by very dark spirits, and he was definitely being haunted by drug addiction, and that itself 
drug addiction itself lends lends the soul to being opened up to those darker darker evil things um when you are uh, there is a certain pathway that addiction and the state of mind that some drugs put you in and the state of energy that some drugs put your spirit your aura your energy into it and it opens yourself up to those things so i don't doubt that this man was very haunted and in the end he i can't judge the way he went honestly i can't judge the way he went for all i know they needed ros williams dead so that this way his counterpart who also had a band called christian death could then sell out to the Illuminati and to the record industry, which had already been had a stronghold in America since the 80s. Um, but then they had to trickle out into all of the little sub genres out there. So, you know, once they had the hold of the mainstream top 20, once they had a hold of the hip hop industry, then they could start attacking the Tejano industry. Bam, Selena's dead. Then they could start attacking the country industry, uh, buy out George Strait or something, you know, and then they could start attacking all of the other little industries within the music industry. And I know for a fact that Christian Death and Ross Williams as a primary influence in the goth rock and the gothic subculture of music the death rock, the goth rock, the stuff like Susie and the Banshees in the, in the early 80s, like Bauhaus, like Joy Division, you know, like um, the classic uh, new wave goth also, because Christian death was the face of that in the late 70s and the early 80s, you know. And then in order to buy out the industry, you have to buy out the head. And I don't know Roz Williams from Jack, but I do know he was a true artist and I could see him fighting that. In fact, he ended up in much of a debacle because he abandoned his um, he abandoned his group in France when they were doing a European tour. At the end of the tour, came back to America for, you know, uh, reasons of integrity, you know. And uh, shortly after the death of Roz Williams, um, the counterpart Christian Death went big. They got signed to a huge label. And in fact, a lot of the bands that I was listening to around that time, um, some of them being black metal bands and the like, nothing like Cookie Monster music, but um, a lot of them were getting signed to huge labels. And a lot of them were coming under criticism from their fans for selling out because all of a sudden, all of a sudden you had a Norwegian black metal satanic group that makes extremely intricate and fast heavy metal music running around in bodysuits like corn and you know and 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 wearing nike and adidas and it's all because i believe that's basically when that's when you see the influence of the the deep state and the cabal networks moving into uh the entertainment avenues when you start seeing weird things like that there was this other band that i was really into called opera nine and that was a female fronted death metal act and they were they were genuine pagans and um, their music was in reverence to that. And of course, I didn't listen to for that. I just, I, I was into that type of music. And, and honestly, guys, I don't know how I pulled myself out of that. And, and especially on this topic tonight um, and in reviewing, because I don't listen to Christian Death anymore. They're still near and dear to my heart for what they were in my past, sentimentally speaking. 
but what what they may represent in in the imagery or the art or the expression are things that I don't necessarily agree with anymore. But this man was an artist and he delved into the deep and dark aspects of the human soul. And growing up, that's what I was about. Um, you know, a, a lot of if you were to read some of my early poetry, like I, I, growing up, I never understood why people didn't like tragedies. Tragedies were so intricate to me and there was something beautiful in the sadness and the sorrow or the stories or or what about the stories that were so sad but then they showed they showed the human spirit thriving or or they showed it uh, conquering that victory that was so dark so deep so tragic or or what if it was a story that was so sad and tragic but it showed you something and you learned something and in the end it was beautiful that's i don't know why i mean, i don't know why that that is kind of like a headspace i've i was in growing up my whole life and and i don't know why of all the things in the world that i chose that this is the sound that called me you know i don't know why these are the sounds why don't i listen to the top 20s why don't i like pop music why don't i i like what they play on the radio why don't i why can't i stomach all that you know why do i have to listen to christian death i don't know but Essentially, on April 1st, I I would like, you know, do a poetry reading honoring Ross Williams. I've done stuff like that before um, because he wrote poetry and a lot of people don't know his poetry. And and it's not bad, but it is dark. And that's why I don't go back to it and read it like fanboy or anything, because it's dark, you know, and I I don't like to live in that headspace. I, I, and so I don't know. I think the reason why that he is still around and I may still speak about him is because um, that was a part of my development that brought me to this point. Um, I mean, even he would talk about life after death and those concepts and, 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 and different things with, with drugs, different things with drugs, recreational speaking and, um, uh, all those things have have had an influence and and it amazes me that I have pulled myself out of it um especially when I think like this man who was an inspiration to me as an artist didn't did not and was not able to pull out of it he was i mean again I can't judge his motives um but essentially if if just looking at it and and the way he went, one would assume that he could not pull out of it. Um, but I think it would have been really interesting to see where this man would have gone had he chosen to remain on this planet and share his gift of creation with us. Um, because the industry was changing. Uh, you have to imagine by 1997, Marilyn Manson had hit it big with Antichrist Superstar, basically looking exactly like Roz Williams. And, and Marilyn Manson had a lot of influences too, but but it was all... It, of course, to Ross Williams, Roger Painter as an artist, everything that Manson was doing was more like like a sellout. You know, it was for money and it was for... It, in other words, if Ross Williams was a Satanist, he did it for the love of Satan. If Marilyn Manson was a Satanist, he did it to get rich from the corporations. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the difference. And I'm not saying that Roger Painter or Ross Williams was a Satanist. I don't advocate satanists or satanic things but this is where that man dwelt and i i can tell you that um his band christian death he claims started as an anagram for christian dior and he wanted to bring 
darkness and fashion and punk music to South Cal- South California. And that's where he started. So tonight, instead of reading some poetry to you on um, the podcast for the experience, I'm actually going to share with you some of his music. And I'm pretty sure that he's, <laughs> we're not going to get banned and we're not going to get flagged and we're not going to get attacked by copyright because nobody claims this music. Um, at least nobody that would be litigious. And they can't make money off of him. Uh, the, the, record, the record labels that he worked with bled him dry anyways. Like I told you, he died poor. He was not a top 40s corporate Satanist. Um, he wasn't even a Satanist. But So I'm going to share a couple, a few of his fav- my favorite tracks, some of the things that, I, that stood out to me. We're going to start with um, one of his earliest, it was like off one of the first four or five songs that he wrote um, off of his EP called Death Wish. And the song is the same title, and this is Christian Death from their EP Death Wish circa like 1979, 1980. Uh, enjoy. since I heard that song. <laughs> oh, God, I still get, like, so pumped up. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, that was that was Death Wish by Christian Death, um, fronted by Roz Williams. It's just great, great punky music. Like, it's so great. I love his voice. So, um, I'm not going to... I'm going to play the next one real quick because <laughs> I'm so pumped. I want to hear the next song. 
Um, okay, so this this next one I'm gonna play. It's very, and then and then I'll talk a little bit before I start just drowning you guys out with music, unless you just want to hear it. I don't know, but um, this next one I'm gonna play is controversial. It's very controversial, and it's probably one of the two most popular songs that people know by this this act. Um, the only reason why I'm playing it is because it is controversial. But you have to keep in mind that this is art. And if people can get away with calling for violence and murder in their music um, and call that art, well, whatever. So uh, this is called Romeo's Distress. And it is off their first album, Christian Death, fronted by Ross Williams, called Only Theater of Pain. This is Romeo's Distress.
Oh, that was great. That was so great. Okay, so... All right, let's take a pause there, guys, because I think... I think... I think that this song can actually open up a little bit of conversation, don't you? <laughs> so... Uh, first of all, I mean, that's a great... It's a great song, like... You don't hear people who have those driving bass, you know, bass lines anymore. I mean, even even in Death Wish and, and the guitars, the rhythms, the beats, the, the energy, the vocal pattern, the styling. It's so different. Um, it's just so exciting. You know, it's so exciting and it's so different. It's not like what you hear on the radio, even for that time, I believe. And and this is a man, uh, Roger Painter Ross Williams, he was inspired by the likes of like Roxy Music, David Bowie, obviously, right? If you were to see him because he was a gay man, an outright gay man, very fashionable, um, in, in, in a dark manner. I mean, um, people like Susie and, uh, Susie Sue, Susie Ballion of the Banshees, uh, was quoted to have saying something like, the American gothic scene was atrocious, what with their fishnets and their, uh, I don't know, like, um, <laughs> pincushion needles and stuff like that. Uh, I'm sorry, Susie Ballion. Um, I, I don't know about you, Miss Susie. I have her. I have her biography, and I've read her story. But I don't know. I think there's money somewhere in her family, um, because th so there's a huge difference here. You know, like. But but anyways, the convers and we'll we'll talk about that because I'm thinking about the music industry. I'm thinking about how all of the artists these days are basically they're they're either they come from a manufacturing factory. Which says, it doesn't matter if you have talent, if you come out of this factory, you're of a certain, certain bloodline or someone in your family has it. And uh, we're just going to um, pump you out, dress you up, and you do what we say. And here's your music. Here's the vocal styling. We have a vocal processor. Um, you don't need to worry about having talent. Just make sure you stay on script. And the art suffers. We see that with, with this, uh, the movies being recreated the same all the time now, and like they're just redoing things. Nothing's original. There are, you know, that's the thing about it. You know, is that in times like this, there the the people who make the most original things, they're so good. They're so good. They're so deep. And so even in even patterns of creativity with within like the artistic medium, like sometimes like like it depends, like, you know, they say like, for example, and I'm not I'm not going to get into politics, but like, for example, they say like during like Demo Democrat like types of periods, there's like man art. But then, like, when Republicans are in, like, there's crazy art. And the reason for that is because, like, supposedly liberal-minded are more creative, so they really strike out when Republicans are in power and you see the most creative things. And, you know, they say Republicans and conservatives are not creative, so when Democrats are in power, you see a lot of rhetoric, but it's not as, like, creative. I think that tide is turning, too, as well, because guess what, people? It doesn't matter. Okay, so anyways, getting back to the point um, with Roger Painter, Christian Death, Ross Williams, and all that. And The experience with Michael Aaron Kosteris is listener-supported. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to support future episodes. 
You can contribute directly at anchor.fm slash thexpodcast. Click on the support button and enter your card information for a secure donation. Choose your monthly donation, 99 cents to $9.99 a month. Every bit helps. Again, visit anchor.fm slash thexpodcast, spelled the T-H-E-X-Podcast, E-X-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And tell them Michael sent you. Um, the music, what I was thinking uh, in regards to the industry is that this this man as an artist, if you were to see the uh, image, imagery that they use, if you were to explore his, his other artworks, you would see that this was a man that created purely of himself and of no other influence. He wasn't, he was a purist in the sense, you know, those purist artists back in the day said, I will never sell out. And they turned their nose up to it and it kind of be pretentious. And they'd be like, if you work for a corporation, you're a sellout, right? Well, this was that man, you know, this is, this is a product of that mentality. And, um, just like they say people like Kurt Cobain was, but here he was signed to a major label, just like they say people like Tupac was, and yet here he was signed to a major label and Roz Williams never, never and he had the talent, as you will hear through the rest of this, but somehow he was locked down and he was never able to break into the industry, even though to this day he is quoted as being an underrated uh, gay entertainer. He is quoted as being the father of the goth rock um, movement in the United States of America. Like he is, he, if someone, <laughs> if someone like me who is big in my own head will talk to you about Rouse Williams, you should be listening. Um, but at the same time, maybe not. I think, I think to appreciate his artwork, to appreciate the create creator, the creative that he was, um, where the message might get mixed for some people, because this is something that is only palatable to certain tongues. Not to everyone wants to hear a band called Christian Death, right? Um, and God, I wanted to talk about before I move on to the next album, because I was right about to segue into it. Um, that last song, Romeo's Distress, did open up a lot of doorways for conversation when it comes to things like censorship and art and freedom of speech. Because you heard the opening line of his song. And so let me tell you about that before you go and um, try and cancel Roz Williams and Christian Death. That song was written as an artistic piece directly, directly attacking his um his parents and the type of people that they were and do you want to know why because they were they were like raging baptists they were like hardcore spiritual like apparently he went through a lot of religious persecution at the hands of fanatics in his household or at least that's what caused him to act out in the way that he did which he did in his dress and in his artistic expression in his music which came off as being anti-christian christian death because his parents were so hard with the word of God. Like, I'm sure some of you guys can get that out there. I mean, maybe you, maybe you're not old enough, but there is a generation, including mine, that come from a family of people, come from an, uh, come from a time when family, people in families could be extremely, extremely religiously fanatic 
and 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 have no balance and have no no um and they basically being extreme in their beliefs and they would beat you or they would hit you or they wouldn't let you watch certain things or talk to certain people i mean this this did happen so this is the product that Roger Painter the 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 child and artist grew up in and he rebelled by becoming um a very dark figure with a band called Christian Death and and guess what not only was his father <laughs> not only was his father a raging baptist minister he was also racist his father was so racist that that the song Romeo's distress which opens with a line about burning crosses on a uh, uh, uh was all about the hypocrisy of the racist righteous man who then turned around and praised this, the songs of God and praised God and, and and told people to be like Jesus you know so Romeo's distress was exactly about that so before you go and overwrite uh, and 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 cancel Roger Painter Ross Williams and Christian Death for using the n word in a song why don't you take a moment to think about the context and where this person came from and why he used the language against the people that he was making the song about. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to true art and creativity versus what you get nowadays on the radio and manufactured by the devil himself. So with that said, we're going to see how even though Roz Williams, Roger Painter started off as a rebel with very rock and punk music, um, the art of the man allowed him to express himself in different sounds and mediums that were so intricate and beautiful. This is an example, and it's kind of just the beginning of that. And, and I wish I could show you more, and there's not enough time because I'm, I'm just kind of going down his albums. Um, and there's so much more to the story that I won't be able to share with you today. Um, but if you look him up, you'll find out there's a lot of controversy. At one point, there were two Christian death bands and they were touring at the same time and they were suing each other. And, and uh, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that went ha that happened to this man. And like I said, he died penniless. But this album, Catastrophe Ballet, Christian Death, Catastrophe Ballet is my favorite, favorite album from them from top to bottom. It is one of those albums that you can play and it just, it has this flow to it that you, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's an amazing piece of art. And I, I, this, if you were to check out any Christian death album for music appreciation, I would say, listen to this one. Um, the music is there. The poetry is there. It is beautiful. The song I'm going to show you is entitled The Drowning and it is from the album Catastrophe Ballet. Wow. 
Was not that amazing? Oh my goodness. I wish I could play the rest of this album for you. Um, anyways, so that is uh, that was Catastrophe Ballet's The Drowning by Christian Death. Um, great. It is a great song. It is a great song. It just it takes me back to so many things. Um, and like I said, by this time, I was, <laughs> I was not about rebelling. This is just who I was. Um... <laughs> But, um, you know, the sad thing for me is that, like, tonight I was hoping to have a special guest on with you. Um, I was hoping to have a special guest on with you tonight um, to, to do this memorial for Roz Williams. But, unfortunately, I couldn't. 
Um, and, and that was someone, that was the man who introduced me to this marvel of an artist. And I thank him for that because this guy, I don't know. I mean, God, I don't know. Anyways. All right. So, um, okay. So at this point in Ross Williams career, I guess, um, you know, he's been doing it for a minute. They're, they're big enough to tour Europe and, and Mexico and stuff like that. And, you know, like I said, he did the international gigs. I mean, by the time he passed, he'd been all over the world. He he played in venues on every continent, except for Antarctica and and, <laughs> and maybe Africa. But, um, but he'd been everywhere else. Um, and, you know, like, it's just, it's a shame because people like this, and, and you can equate it to someone like Selena. And Selena was a Tejano artist that was much bigger, much, much, much bigger than Roz Williams ever was. But also that person, due to an untimely end, their art, their magic was stripped away from um, us at an, at an early age, at a time when, 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 when the, the, the life of their work, you know could have have been something we don't know what it could have been but that but everything happens for a reason you know even the sad things happen for a reason um uh, or and you know and it doesn't even have to be sad it does not have to be sad that these people have passed because perhaps ultimately they served their purpose in the time that they were here with us on earth and 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 maybe if they had lived any longer Maybe if they'd lived any longer, there wouldn't be that certain magic or quality or magical quality that inspires us as as those who appreciate their work. So with that said, I'm going to play another song from Ross Williams and I'm going to check on time because um, I want to make sure we have time. And I only have... I was being very ambitious with this, but um, now I'm just strolling. Now I'm just strolling down memory lane. Um, so let me go ahead and play another song for you. This is from the album called. Um, this is from the album called "The Rage of Angels," I believe, and it's called "The Angels Cruciform." <laughs> Yeah. 
death is slowly now. So that was The Angel's Cruciform by Christian Death featuring Ross Williams. Um, you know, they, they used to have to say featuring Ross Williams at his concerts because, like I said, there were two Christian Death bands running around at this time. Like when this song was out in the early 90s, he was touring as Christian Death and his counterpart, Valor Kond, was also touring as Christian Death. Um, that's a story for another day, but, um, to, to, to stop from the confusion, of course, at concert goers, they had to put featuring Ross Williams. So if they know that they were going to Ross Williams concert and not a Valor Kond concert, um, interesting about Valor Kond, uh, I have met the, I have met the man. He, he's, he's very nice. Um, <laughs> ask me back back in 2001 and I might have had a different story but I of course I hadn't met him in 2001 um and his daughter is amazing um and she's a great painter and um yeah I, I keep in touch with her when I can but anyways um so let's go back to I'm gonna okay so we're we're fast approaching an hour and I, I want to keep this about an hour I'm gonna do I'm going to do maybe two more. So, um, okay, so at this point in his career, he's touring again in the early 90s, right? And he his music has gone back to a more, like, it's more close to what we started with, with the punk and the, and the kind of heavy riffs and, and electric guitar and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it's been that through all out, but in the era of the album, like, Catastrophe Ballet or Ashes, I would consider that more to be, like, art rock like you know, like yeah like kind of like you know Maynard James Keenan calls it like you know art rock or it's it's art art rock you know and like it it's it, it has substance to it. it's not just about what comes out in the factory you know um I I believe if I remember he was appalled by what was coming out in the music industry but I'm gonna skip um the Path of Sorrows title track um it's a heavy heavy song it's dark it's it's heavy i mean when you talk about trying to sound evil or something like that you know a lot of people can't pull it off um this guy it seems like did he didn't have to try some time but anyways what i am going to play for you guys the last time i'm going to play comes from um one of his uh solo endeavors because after he aside from christian death he also had a band called shadow project with his wife eva o um, he also had another uh, side project called Dalkus Karota, which was named after a German, if I'm not mistaken, Dalkus Karota was a, um, it was a German folktale about a man who every time he walked, when he put his foot down, it would, it would plant roots into the ground. So every time he took a step, he'd have to pull him out of the ground. And every time he took a step, it would plant it and he'd have to pull him out. Dalkus Karota, isn't that crazy? And, um, and, and then he had a bunch of side projects and solo projects. And he also did spoken word and he has, I think I, two, two spoken word albums, three of them, maybe three albums. Um, and then a bunch of like just instrumental music albums. Um, this man had a whole catalog of stuff and, and he has, um, a, a movie called pig on VHS. That was the first of its kind back in the nineties. And I, I have that also, um, it's he was i have his art book he had he was a collagist 
um, he would collage uh, brilliant, brilliant collages, like they're intricate collages. Um, so you guys should check that out sometime. The Art of Ross Williams. If you can find that book, it's long out of print. Um, and I see it sometimes around for like over $200. Um, I have two copies. Um, one of them is not on the spine. <laughs> Anyways, let me play this song from you. Now, the reason why I also want to play this song to you, okay, so this is from his album that came out um, the year before his death, um, and it was a duet album between he and um, um, a singer. Her name is Gitane Demon, or Jetane Demon. I always said Gitane, but I, I think it is Jetane. I've never met this woman, but... but um, Valor Khan, his daughter, that's his, that's her mother. And she's another brilliant soul. Um, so they did a duet album, um, in 95, um, a year or two before his death. And it's called Dream Home Heartache. So I'm going to play the title track from that album featuring Roz Williams and Jetaine Demon. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy it. In every dream home, a heartache And every step I take Takes me further from heaven Bungalow ranch style 
So, yeah. I think that's a pretty interesting one. Um, you really have to be in a certain headspace to sit through that song, I think. And I think one would have to wonder, why would someone want to sit through a song and listen and enjoy something that sounds so sad, you know? And even in sitting back and listening, and listening to it, and I'll never forget it because uh, I don't know if it was just because I appreciated the man's art, you know what I mean? That I didn't really pay attention to the tones, the... I mean, I, I wasn't paying attention to the resonance, the frequencies, that emotions, the that this type of of song puts you in, in a mental state, and then you turn that into your, um, you know, mental state and your emotional state, and then you start vibrating at those frequencies and emitting that, and I never realized it, and I remember one day, uh, this one-time friend uh, told me, uh, because I listened to that, and um, I, I was a gothic child <laughs> growing, uh, no, not child, actually, I was a very happy child, I was not a Wednesday, <laughs> <laughs> uh, trust me, I was not Wednesday by any means. I was very happy, fat Jehovah's Witness child <laughs> when I was growing up, um, and I was a very, uh, I was very stoic and gothic, you know, teenager. Um, that is who I was when I was growing up. And I listened to this. This was just, this was in my CD changer. What's a CD changer? They used to have five disc changers. Did you know that, young ones? <laughs> Anyways, um, so, like, uh, I, this one time friend told me one time, um, I don't like listening to that because I don't like feeling like that all the time. And I never thought about that ever. I just listened to it because I, I liked it. I didn't realize what kind of headspace it put me in. Um, because even now, like, like that track, though I can appreciate it, it's not as palatable as it was when I was growing older. Um, obviously because it's like a death march. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, who wants to sit and listen to, like, a death march unless you're sitting down to appreciate the art of what it was as opposed to analyzing it as you're listening to it, but just going with it, you know? Um, and, and that's also some of the danger of this music. And, and, and now sitting and listening to it, I'm thinking to myself things like what, what, what prompted such an emotion out of an artist like that? You know, like why were there artists making music like that? Like what the hell's going on that someone is making death marches into artwork music? You know what I mean? Like what's going on world? And, um, you know, this was in the nineties and, and just, huh, I don't know. Like, was, was this some reflection of some dark corner of the human soul that was coming out in his artwork? Or was this the reflection of his personal life? Because like I said, this is like 95, 94, and he's gone by 97, 98. And, um, he was, he was tormented with drug addiction and, and I'm sure a slew of, and health problems. He was a gay man and I'm not, I, I don't know enough to say, I couldn't tell you he was HIV positive. I don't know that, but he was a gay man. <laughs> it was, he was pretty. <laughs> I mean, I never got to meet him, but he was pretty. 
Um, you know, and like, I think of like drag queens like Aquaria or like rock stars like Marilyn Manson and there's your Roz Williams right there, you know, and like, um, uh, there's no telling, but he, he, it was said, it was said that he had health problems and it was said that he had drug problems on top of whatever else was going on. And on top of being poor, on top of his name being the biggest name in his industry, in that genre, and not even having a penny to count for it. I, I, I guess I could understand why he chose to do what he did. Um, and I'm not, I'm not condoning it by any means. I wish the men were still alive. We could have done a great project together. We could have worked together. The uh, the Christian death, the gothic movement, the 80s underground retro blew up in the mid to late 2000s. Actually, early to mid 2000s. And, and where I live, we were at the front of that, you know? And... Um, he he would have he would have had great second rounds and he would have had people who could actually invest in his artwork because it was growing it was changing um it wasn't even though that was pretty dark you know like it wasn't the end all um and actually i think i'm going to close the show cuz i was entertaining doing some poetry as well but i, I don't think i will but I was entertaining. Um, I was entertaining uh, doing that. But I think I'll, I'll close the show with like maybe another song. Um, and this one's gonna come from God. This one's gonna come from his last album, which was released after his death in 1998. It was released in 1998. He died in, on April 1st, 1997. Right? Okay. So. Um, I have to choose what song to play. Okay, because this is a beautiful album. Um, this album was recorded with... It's a, it's a, another duet album. And this duet album, his last album, was he and his wife, Eva O, who's still alive and touring. And my friends have met her and, and my friends have played in shows with her. And I'm so jelly. Um, Eva O. <laughs> But Roz and Eva, they were married, then divorced, and uh, the last album that he committed to was called From the Heart, and it was a duet album between he and she. So I'm going to, I know what song I'm going to play. God, this is such a pretty album, but I mean, it has its moments, don't get me wrong. Um, I think I know what song I want to, God, I think I know what song I want to play. Okay, so let me, uh, let me get this going for you real quick. Okay. All right, guys. Um, hold on. Ah, okay. All right. So I'm gonna close today's show in memoriam to Ross Williams. Um, and I, and you know, if anything, I hope maybe it was just something you'd never heard before, and not necessarily something you should you would go pick up uh, he's dead i mean it's not like if you go find him you'll be helping him like support his work um whatever money whatever money come whatever anything comes out from him now it just goes into the pocketbooks of the people who basically sucked him dry which is a sad thing you know um so even if you were to go out and purchase his work it's not like you would be supporting him anymore it's not like there's like a roger painter fund or if it were, were to go like say if like if this song that i'm gonna share with you right now went the the proceeds went to eva oh since she's in it and stuff like that that would be cool 
Um, but unfortunately for Roz Williams, Roger Page himself, that is not the case. So if you like what you hear, then I say go check it out. Um, but uh, I couldn't say go, go, go show support and help Roger Painter. But this is uh, this is from his last released recording that he created um, from the album From the Heart. The band is called Shadow Project, and trust me, none of their work sounds anything like this. And it's featuring Roz Williams and Eva O. Again, Shadow Project from the Heart, featuring Eva O. and Roz Williams. The song is called Hall of Mirrors. Thank you. 
Something is haunting the town. Adam Longoria has gone missing, and his sister claims she's been seeing a bad man in the shadows. Jesse Bachman confronts a terror that is haunting the town of Suval, but will he be able to stop a pure evil that wants him dead? Get the chilling new novella by Michael Aaron Cassidis, author of The Distance to the End. A trick of the eyes, a stunning new work of horror that is keeping readers turning the page. Get a trick of the eyes anywhere books are sold, online or in stores, ask for it by name. A trick of the eyes by Michael Aaron Casares. <laughs>